it is crystal clear that Jason Kenney and Adriana LaGrange are pushing this curriculum through no matter what. It is crystal clear to me that Jason Kenney does not give a flying fuck about our children or education in the future of our province of Alberta. Forgotten Corner Podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash forgottencornerpod, or visit our website, forgottencornerpod.com. Welcome back to the Forgotten Corner Podcast. We acknowledge that the Forgotten Corner occupies unceded Indigenous land. We acknowledge that the Blackfoot Confederacy never surrendered their land in the signing of Treaty 7, but agreed to share it. The Forgotten Corner sits on Treaty 7 and Treaty 4 territory, traditional lands of the Siksika, Kainai, Pekani, Stony Nakoda, and Sutina, as well as the Cree, Sioux, and the Soto bands of the Ojibwa peoples. We also honor and acknowledge that we are on the Métis Nation within Region 3. The Forgotten Corner is proud members of the Harbinger Media Network. If you do enjoy listening to this podcast and you want to hear other progressive podcasts like it, head on over to the link that we always provide in our show notes and you can hear some more great podcasts. My name is Scott Schmidt. I'm your co-host. I am here officially for the first time in history of our show, literally beside my co-host and good friend, proving that we're good friends because we're even in the same room. Jeremy Appel. Mr. Appel, how the fuck are you? Great. I just put my arm around Scott. I know. I can. We touched. Is that allowed? Like, Are we allowed to be? With, we're allowed, right? We're, we're, we're both vaccinated. Yeah. I you're, have you're, a, you're a close contact. That's exactly Because right. they didn't say, you can have two close contacts, but they didn't say, well, we're if you can just have two total, or if it's two in each city. <laughs> I mean, what's the difference? Like, you came from Calgary to visit Medicine Hat. And like, there was a time in this pandemic where like people in Calgary were like, stay the fuck up there. We don't want you here. But there's no place in like Canada shittier than Medicine Hat to be right now for COVID. Uh, Banff? Oh yeah, I guess they might be still per capita ahead of us. I don't know. Yeah. We had, Medicine Hat had 565 active cases as of yesterday. Like our peak before they were like, hey, this pandemic is over was like 145. Yeah, I remember there's when I was living here, there were like no cases, uh, right? And it was such a hassle to get a mask bylaw, which I believe occurred shortly after I left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Banff, Banff reached COVID zero over the summer. They just didn't do anything to keep it that way. So here we are. Well, and I mean, I think like, I mean, I do agree, like if you're a city or a town within a jurisdiction that is like, you can't restrict travel or whatever like how are you going to stay at covid zero like if everyone else is not even trying for it yeah you know and you're also banff you're like an international tourist destination. you're also banff yeah. yeah not not that they're international tourists but they're tourists from across the country right going there. right well it's nice to see you in town here anyway like this is literally the first time you've been back since you moved mm-hmm. right and so obviously like i think pretty obvious reasons why nobody's traveling around the province over the last little while but uh i'm glad you were able to get down um we were hoping that mo 
would actually be in the same room with us today, but he had some sort of work commitment. With yeah, work commitment. Work commitment. Yeah, Saturday. exactly. I know, exactly. I think his kid was I like can... too tired to come over. Yeah, I mean, if I can record on the Sabbath, <laughs> I think right. Mo can probably make an appearance. But that's all right. We still love him. That's all right. Absolutely. So we actually have a have a great show planned, and uh, it's a little bit of a pivot from like the COVID talk because I think I mean. Let's let's face it. Like we all can blanket agree that it's a tire fire. It's bad. Um, hey, if you haven't been vaccinated, like at least you get a hundred dollar gift card now if you do go out. Right. So I mean, this is the satire. I was actually talking to our guest today, yesterday on the phone during that press conference. <laughs> we had to stop like several times to acknowledge how like insane what we were hearing was like. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if um, you got a tube of horse paste for getting vaccinated? <laughs> like that was your Here's your like, ivermectin. Okay, okay, you can have the horse paste <laughs> if you get vaccinated. Yeah, uh, we should do a whole show on how, like, I don't understand why we're trying to stop these people from taking horse paste. Well, the problem is they're gonna they're gonna clog up the hospital. And what are we gonna are we gonna deny healthcare to people for making bad decisions? I don't think that's a road we should go down. Well, what if we just deny them healthcare for making this bad decision? <laughs> just one. <laughs> I mean, like a case by case basis. I, well, I think we would agree that the solution to all this is to properly fund our healthcare. Oh, system for so Christ's enough. sake, Jeremy! Fine, we'll just do everything all fucking professional like then. Good. Yes. Better money and more funding. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not letting people just die in the cold because they took horse dewormer. We have a guy running for city council, an incumbent. Yeah, yeah, Jim Turner. Yeah, he's, he's, he's promoting that. Oh, he's all over that. Yeah. He was really into the hydrochlor, whatever that was, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get on with the show because our show today, anyway, is going to be uh, not about COVID, but also, but strangely, still about UCP failure <laughs> because um in the midst of all this uh pandemic insanity that we've gone through the ucp as they have enjoyed doing during the pandemic tried to slide through the k-6 draft curriculum and uh, of course we all know by now that everybody like literally at this point it's like everyone, like 95% of all school divisions have said, there's no fucking way we're doing that, piloting that. Parents hate it. And experts, such as the one that we've brought onto the show today, have very, very choice opinions about this. So we're going to get on with the show. And she's been very patient, like literally watching us uh, pour coffee on each other. And uh, what else did we do? We we're a mess. Figure out like how to even record in the same room. Yeah, we're pretty technically sound here. Anyway, let me uh, not read last week's um, introduction. Mo, Mo already has like editing to do as I sit here and like, I'm like, I go, I go to read the introduction and I'm like, David Restool is, nope, that's not who's on the show today. Okay, I'm sorry. Here we go. In three, two, one. The Forgotten Corner is pleased to welcome Dr. Angela Grace to the show this week. Dr. Grace is a private practice psychologist out of Calgary with a PhD in educational studies and psychology and a background in teaching at the elementary school level. With a strong passion and expertise for wellness, Grace had been asked 
to review the 2017 draft curriculum under the previous, previous NDP government. Needless to say, she wasn't asked to look at the recent United Conservatives draft curriculum, which has been under heavy fire from parents and professionals since its unveiling. Friend of the show, Dr. Carla Peck, a social studies expert who has been well known in recent months for her reviews of this curriculum, saw that passion and expertise within Dr. Grace and recru recruited her to the steering committee of academics writing curriculum reviews. Dr. Grace joins us today for what will no doubt be a candid, no punches pulled conversation about a curriculum that might just be as dangerous as our society's, to our society's future as the experts claim it will be. Angela, after all that patience, welcome to the Forgotten Corner. <laughs> Thank you so much for having oh me here. Oh my goodness, like I, was, I had to go upstairs and refill Jeremy's coffee after I dumped it on him and I was telling my wife, I'm like, thank God we have a like a patient, fun guest there because like <laughs> he's having, we're putting her through the ringer here like, oh, by the way, we're just going to change up how we record and we're going to figure it out right now. We're pretty on top well i think that's what everybody's doing right now like that's how i feel with this curriculum i'm just going to figure it out right now and literally it just i can't take anything seriously right now so this is a great place to be that's probably true yeah it's really hard to like it's one of those things you're at that point in our, i think in our whole just everything about being a part of alberta if you're not laughing or poking fun like you're banging your head against the wall and being burned out and 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 obviously uh just talking to you in the last week, I know that this curriculum is, I mean, we're joking around, but it's a serious business and you're very passionate about it. And before we really get into the, the bones of why this is a, such a hunk of crap, um, the Forgotten Corner never allows a guest to get away with not talking about themselves. <laughs> um, as we bring you onto the show, we want to let our listeners know who is Dr. Angela Grace. And so you are going to sit back, we're going to sit back while you tell us the sort of synopsis of your life, where you're from, where you, you know, why, why you got into what you're doing, these kinds of things. So your turn. Okay. Well, um, thank you. So I am a fourth generation settler on Treaty 7 territory. I grew up in Concert, Alberta, which, you know, there's some pretty awesome people coming out of Concert, like Katie Lang. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I grew up, I'm a small town, rural Alberta girl. And I have loved school ever since before I started kindergarten. Um, I adored kindergarten. My mom told me I was just pissed right off the first day of grade one when I got home because she told me that they were going to teach me how to read in grade one. And that first day, they did not teach me how to read. So, <laughs> so she said I was mad. <laughs> so from day one, you had an issue with the curriculum. From day one. Yeah. Wow. From, from day one. Like this is not going the way it's supposed to go. And I was, you know, I was the little girl. I'd line up all my stuffies and teach them how to read and write stories and play school with my Barbies. And I loved school. So I've, I've been a teacher ever since I started, started school. Um, so yeah, grew up. I got my first degree in fine arts. I was going to specialize in, in um, theater, in drama, and in, in English. And so I went to Red Deer College, took my theater diploma, and then went to the University of Lethbridge, took my theater degree and, and, and English, and then became a teacher. Um, 
And so I planned on being a high school drama and English teacher. And I got to do that one day my entire career as a substitute teacher. And the rest of my time was in elementary. So my first teaching job was grade one, again, in small town rural Alberta, in southern Alberta, K to 12 school. And we had, like, I was the type of teacher that if I could tell the kids were bored and restless, I'd do things like close my classroom door and be like, okay, guys, let's decorate the room to look like a fairy tale. And so we'd spend the day, you know, we had a, a bean. I'll never forget this. A group of little boys did a beanstalk and they wanted it to stretch all the way across the ceiling. So they started at the floor and, you know, put paper leaves all the way across the ceiling. I'm sure the fire marshal would have had a heyday with that. Um, so we had, had a lot of fun teaching grade one. And then I lived in Germany for a year, taught year three, four over there, came back. And it was the year I came back that there was something off with my little grade one girls. Like I, I just could tell something was wrong and I couldn't figure out what it was. So one day I caught one of the little girls throwing out her lunch and I'm like, sweetheart, what are you doing? And she said, oh, we started a diet club to be like our moms. And they were throwing their lunches out behind my back and running laps around the playground to try to lose weight. And they were six years old. And there was nothing in my education degree and, and teacher training that taught me how to deal with this issue. So and I'd had an eating disorder and have no problem self-disclosing that. I had anorexia throughout junior high, high school, college, university. So I knew the pain of that. And I, I couldn't sit back and let little children feel so bad about themselves. So I went and got my master's degree in counseling. And I was working in private practice. I was actually in Medicine Hat. I actually taught for a year. One of my teaching years was out at Ralston. Um, oh, yeah. The military base. So, yeah, like I lived in Medicine Hat for 10 years. I totally missed the zucchini blossom, but that's an aside. <clears throat> um, that place is great. That is a good, that is a good uh, restaurant. Yeah, it, it was, it's a great place. So, so anyway, I was a private practice psychologist in Medicine Hat and I worked with kids and eating disorders. And, and I realized it was this hamster wheel of distressed distressed kids and parents coming in I'd help get them you know help get their lives back and then there'd be another one and another one and another one and I thought I need to go do something more with this um, I want to work on the side of prevention so one of my supervisors at the university she uses this analogy of if you're you know you're standing by a river and you see a baby floating by on the river you jump in and rescue the baby but what if there's another one and another one and another one. What I wanted to do was go upstream and stop the person who's putting babies in the river. <laughs> so to me, that's what I did my PhD in was eating disorder and obesity prevention in schools, which, you know, like that's just the icing and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I went down the whole rabbit hole of youth, health and well-being, prevention in every single area, and then working in, in the phase of comprehensive school health. So when I, when I graduated, um, a couple of years later, like I, I and, and when, when we were asked to review the, the 2017 
draft curriculum like that had been years in the making already and I actually had to apply to be a reviewer for it so I had to go up to Edmonton I had to give I had 10 minutes to make my case of why I would be a good person to review this and I am literally the only eating disorder prevention specialist in Alberta to to have the degree behind me and the education behind me to do that work. So I was just so grateful when they asked me to review it. Um, and of course, there was no pay for this. It was totally, totally voluntary. I did get a tiny little stipend from an eating disorder organization to just help with my travel costs. Um, so I declare I've, I, I have received zero compensation for any of the work I've done, except for that tiny little, little stipend that paid my gas. Um, so I remember sitting there with, in a room of about 150 other professionals reviewing the curriculum and my area is wellness. So I, I reviewed the, the phys ed and wellness curriculum. And I remember in 2017, standing up there and believe me, I didn't care. I, I do not care what political party is, is in power. I care about the curriculum, education, our students and our teachers. So I just wanna declare that from the start. So in 2017, I stood up in the room and I said, this phys ed and wellness curriculum looks like it was designed by a high school phys ed teacher who doesn't have a clue about comprehensive school health and elementary children. And sure enough, they're like, oh yeah, he designed the first draft. I'm like, well, that's great, but this curriculum has an eating disorder. It is weight biased. It is focused on... Um, it is focused on misinformation. It only focuses on, on nutrition. It only focuses on physical activity. You're missing the seven other dimensions or the six other dimensions of, of comprehensive school health. I said, in this original document, you've got, you say you're, you're Francophone and First Nation, Métis and Inuit inclusive, yet I see zero evidence of that in the phys ed and wellness curriculum. And so I sat there for hours, ripping it to shreds, directing and saying, this curriculum is already written. It's already written by our nation's experts. All we need to do is go to the best practice resources, ask them, what should we be teaching our children? And then find a, a comprehensive way of including it. And that's what they did. That's what they did. So in 2018, when I went back to review it, it was done. And, and I also said, the thing that we need to consider is that health is not a, a topic to be studied. It is a process to be lived. And so we can't have a single phys ed or health teacher teaching kids about health. Our schools need to be built on a foundation of well-being that places the well-being of our students and our teachers first. And that's what comprehensive school health is. So I said, we need math teachers trained in this. Like it doesn't make sense for kids to be taught about healthy, you know, healthy body image, healthy nutrition, and then a math teacher to make a project about counting calories. It doesn't make sense. So we need this embedded in everything that we do. And and so they did that. They, they went back, they consulted with First Nation, Métis, Inuit elders, um, Francophone perspectives, and it was comprehensive. And in 2018, when, you know, when I reviewed it again, I was invited 
by other subject areas to review their curriculum from a wellness perspective. Like the science program wanted me to come in and review the curriculum um, to make sure that there weren't going to, there, there weren't going to be any con contradictory information um, in that curriculum. The music curriculum asked me to, the music experts asked me to come in and review it from, from that perspective as well. So I was ready to go. I was just sitting back waiting um, for the next round. And then Jason Kenney was elected. <clears throat> and I got a little anxious, but I'm like, okay, you know what? They're just going to follow the same process. Like the first draft, over 35,000 Albertans had their say. Thousands of teachers, educational experts, community partners were working so hard to have this collaborative draft with multiple educated perspectives in it. And then I started to see Jason Kenney bitch about there not being enough military content. And they were, there was not enough about how amazing our country is. And I'm like, this sounds weird, but okay. Um, we'll just kind of wait and see what happens. Um, and then I saw him promise to throw out the draft because of NDP content. And I was really confused because at none of the meetings I was at, did I hear anybody talk about their political affiliation? Did I hear, did I witness anything that seemed bizarre and off and political indoctrination in any of the documents that I read? So I'm like, oh, this is just political grandstanding and whatever. So. But Jason Kenney said that there was indoctrination. So obviously you're wrong. <laughs> obviously, clearly me with, you know, 13. He said it was socialism all wrapped up into a nice little package. I remember. Yeah. Well, if you want to actually, he said um, it's a backroom, a backroom cabal of social justice warriors who are secretly designing curriculum and social engineering things. They're undermining parental authority and rewriting the school curriculum in secret. Well, the thing was, it was not in secret, but it only makes sense to release a draft document after there's been multiple eyes on it. So it wasn't in secret. It just wasn't ready to be shown yet. But there were thousands of eyes on it. So what baffled me was so the fall of 2019 so I kind of you know was like okay well we'll see what happens fall of 2019 when they said they were throwing out the draft and they hand appointed so let's just okay I've gone down the rabbit hole you guys I have seriously gone down the rabbit hole I like when this curriculum came out this year I right before Easter, I was like, okay, Angela, you're going to have a nice Easter weekend. And then that was my first week off since COVID happened. So in over a year, I hadn't had a week off. I'm like, I'm taking this week off. The curriculum came out. I spent 50 hours in three days reviewing the curriculum and, and writing my review only of the wellness portion of it, because that's my area of expertise. So after that, I was like, what is happening here? So I went down the rabbit hole and did a complete timeline of everything Jason Kenney has said about the curriculum and what he's promoting. So he gets elected. 
in July, he asks school divisions to remove the word public. Um, he cancels the, the curriculum agreement with the ATA and hires 12 hand appointed curriculum review, you know, advisors to review it. And I That's looked at this, I'm like- Chris what? Champion comes in, right? Yes. Well, and Ashley Burner, a charter school proponent from the States. So in October, 2019, I requested a meeting with my MLA, Jason Copping. And I sat down with him and said, you know what, this is my expertise. I'm one of your constituents. I'm worried about the curriculum. Um, I understand, you know, what is your perspective? And he said, oh, you know, they want to do a review of the social studies curriculum. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. That's fine. You know, review it, make sure there's no political, you know, make, make sure there's no indoctrination. That's fair. And that was one of the promises they were going to review, review the social studies curriculum. They did not, Jason Kenney did not say he was going to completely throw out the entire thing and have it rewritten by racist. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like Chris you Champion, clearly racist. Right. And a residential schools denier um, did, not, did not say they were going to completely rewrite the entire curriculum in such a short period of time with basically unknown writers. Because any, trust me, I, I reached out to all of these expert reviewers and none of them said they wrote a word in the draft. Right. Most of them never bothered responding, but none of them, all of them said, oh, we just reviewed it. Didn't, and, didn't a story just come out like a week or two ago yeah. where, uh, was it, was it Kim Siever that actually did that one where we, we learned that like the curriculum was finding its way to cabinet eyes several different times or something along yeah, the way. That like, was I, a, I apologize to I, my listeners because I've been unplugged yeah. for the summer, but I, I think it may have been the CBC. Yeah. Maybe. Janet uh, French, wasn't, maybe? It wasn't Janet French. Let me just But see. yeah, I, I do it remember the, the story. It was I, the progressive. I progress just remember who Oh, was. no, it's on my timeline, August 18th, which is my birthday. So thank you. Thank you, Progress <laughs> Report, for this. That it was progress Hoyt report. Oh, yeah. That's right. Progress Sorry, report. Duncan. Yeah. Hoyt <laughs> shows possible political interference in curriculum drafting pro um, process where there's emails between Chris Champion and the cabinet right. about Chris Champion's vision for the social studies curriculum. Um, yeah. So like you can hear that. Carla Peck puking. Yeah. <laughs> right? oh, yeah. When, you hear, when you say that. Right. Oh my goodness. Exactly. So in so anyway, back to 2019, my MLA promised me. He says, "Oh yeah, you sound like the perfect person to put forward to review this." Didn't do a thing. I heard nothing. Crickets. 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 I kept emailing. Crickets. Nothing. And then I'm like, and then this draft curriculum came out, and the shit hit the fan. I like my husband hasn't seen me so. <laughs> so obsessed with something since I was finishing my dissertation. Like I, I would wake up at two o'clock in the morning with more things to write about this curriculum. Like I was down, I was down the rabbit hole. So I wrote this review, submitted it everywhere. Carla Peck got a hold of it, asked me to be a part of the curriculum, Alberta curriculum analysis website, steering committee, which I happily, I happily did. 
And what was what's fun about that is the other steering committee members are attached to universities and I'm not. So I don't have I don't I don't have a bureaucracy behind me telling me what I can and cannot say. So I'm going to say whatever whatever needs to be said for sure. Right. So I've written letter after letter after letter and I I only reviewed the curriculum from from my expertise and that's what part of the problem is is the general public and yes it's very important to have parent perspectives it's very important to have community perspectives however you have to look at it from your base of training education knowledge and experience so i am not going to say things about the social studies curriculum because that's not my area but I can say from a wellness perspective, where a sense of belonging, where a sense of community, where a sense of emotional regulation, like I can say that there are issues in each area of the curriculum that are going to impact our children's mental, social, relational, and spiritual well-being. Um, so that's what I've that's what I've looked at it from, and then. With the Alberta, excuse me, the, the Alberta Curriculum Analysis website, I started seeing all of our provincial experts coming forth with these horrific reviews, like from perspectives I never even considered. Like I think it was Yvonne Putra um, from Pratt. Oh, go ahead. From from your perspective, since your expertise is in like health and wellness. Mm -hmm. How does the the UCP curriculum fall short in that regard? Oh, it's an epic, epic fail. Like even if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is actually, that's a whole other story. It's actually a Blackfoot hierarchy of needs that he stole, but that's another story. Basically, we look at children need safety, a layer of safety, and that's physical safety and environmental safety. They need a sense of belonging where they're cared about. Um, they need a sense of self-esteem. And then as we move higher up the hierarchy, that's where, um, that's where academia comes in. Like that's where academics and rational thinking and learning comes in. And if kids don't have the foundation of well-being and connectedness first, it doesn't make sense to go in and, and memorize a whole bunch of facts. And that's, so it's not just the content of the curriculum that is bizarre and weird. It's the process by which they're doing it. So I liken the way they, the way the UCP, and I'm actually, I'm actually going to say Jason Kenney and Adriana Lagrange, like, the other MLAs are pretty freaking oblivious to what's going on. They're, they're just there are towing definitely the party some line. yes men in this government. You think? Yeah, that's right. Right? So I'm going to say what they've done. So I liken it to combining a game of darts with a game of Jeopardy. So they've attached what they believe is an, and I'm doing air quotes here, essential knowledge and skills. They're putting, they're sticking it on a dart hucking it at a Jeopardy board and saying, oh, it landed on grade six social studies. We're going to stick it in there. Oh, it landed on grade, it landed on kindergarten. Oh, it landed on, you know, grade one math. Okay, we're going to stick it there. And so it is all of these knowledge and skills, and some of them are relevant. Of course, it's not, you know, 
it's not a complete shit show, um, but it's like 99% shit show. Yeah, so, I was gonna say, isn't it almost a complete shit show? Yeah. yeah. Like it I seems mean, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, there's no rhyme or reason. And that's what the problem with the process is. So educators would sit, sit back and say, we need to teach kids stuff. What is a logical scope and sequence that fits with their developmental abilities, that fits with their, you know, their developmental process, with fits with where kids are at. What makes logical sense to give a strong foundation and then move on? No, no, no. Jason Kenny comes in and says, there is not enough military in this. So starting in kindergarten or grade one, that's what kids are going to start learning. So <laughs> When I, was, when I was in university, I took this brilliant class. It was with Dr. Jane O'Day at the University of Lethbridge. And she talked about something called the hidden curriculum. And it blew my mind. It freaking blew my mind. So the hidden curriculum is you take the superficial content and the way it's taught, and you go deeper into what kids are actually being taught. So let's go from my area of health and wellness and eating disorder, obesity prevention. So let's just, let's take in the current curriculum, kids in grade six are taught about nutrition. Fine. So you get a well-meaning teacher who then Googles healthy nutrition because teachers aren't trained in nutrition, who Googles healthy nutrition, comes back to her class and says, you should eat less than 10 grams of sugar a day. Here's how to read a label. Fine. On the surface, like that looks fine. Underneath the surface, you've got 11, 12 year olds who are still like her, who are entering puberty. Their bodies are going to do weird things against their will. And all of a sudden they're taught to read a label, monitor their sugar or watch their calorie content or that they, you know, they need to exercise 30 minutes a day and the hidden curriculum underneath that is you're not good enough unless you're doing these things. And then you get little people pleasers, which, um, you know, want to please their teachers. So if the teacher says, I want you to watch your food and I want you to count, count your calories and I want you to keep track of your exercise for a week, then they're going to develop little competitions with each other to see who can eat less, who can exercise more, right? And so the hidden curriculum is your body's not good enough and you should be monitoring what you're doing. So then from my psychologist side, I have a number of kids after the grade six, like the current grade six nutrition curriculum or health curriculum, their parents bringing them to me because they're starting dieting and starting to develop symptoms of an eating disorder at the beginning of, at the beginning of puberty. And it comes directly from what they're being taught. And so have, with, have you noticed ahead. eating disorders become more prevalent in recent years with like social media and Instagram and hundred percent, all that competition sort of online? hundred percent. When I, when I led eating disorders awareness week events in, in Calgary in 2017, um, the, the Canadian statistics were approximately a million Canadians were diagnosed with eating disorders. 
last year, so 2000, no, it was actually this year, 2021, when I went to look at the stats again, suddenly it's increased to 2.1 million, meaning that the old stats were not accurate and there's a significant number more coming forward. And the terrifying thing for me is those are the only ones that are diagnosed. So when I look at the side of prevention, I look at the side of, of how many people are struggling with these issues but are not yet diagnosed. And so that's my job as a prevention specialist is to analyze and look at things, look, look at look at issues from a prevention perspective saying this could be a problem, this could be a problem, this could be a problem, we need to change this. So I've done like tons of teacher training on best practices in health and wellness, how to prevent eating disorders, um, weight bias in schools, how to, create a, how to create a healthy environment. And to go back to your question, this like from a health and wellness perspective in many areas, this UCP curriculum, this Jason Kenney curriculum is an epic fail. It is going to cause so much harm to our students. And the thing people forget, the thing people forget, curriculums last 30 to 40 years. So we are talking about generations of children that aren't even born yet. The kids starting kindergarten now, this curriculum is going to impact their children. Well, it's going to teach them how to be, right? Like this, yes. the people that develops right now, right? You start in mm -hmm. kindergarten under this curriculum, fifth, you know, 10 years of schooling and you're going to be a, a certain kind of person. Like, yes. I guess I want to ask you, because obviously we've talked and, and when we had Carl on, we talked a lot about the social studies and it was very easy when we talked about social studies to sort of understand the motive behind the UCP or behind whoever was putting this curriculum together. You could tell that the social studies was specifically uh, because of the, there's intent for specific intent. Now with the wellness thing, I'm, I'm trying to rack my, wrap my brain around like, what would be their mindset behind it? So is it, is this an, is their failure of the wellness program simply laziness? Like, were they, was it just, they didn't think about this stuff or do you think that there is actual ulterior motive to why they would teach like this, such as the way that we feel there is in social studies? You know what? It, so I don't believe there's any malintent with it at all. I believe I believe the issue is there were not multiple eyes on the draft in there was one single person. I can't even remember the name of the professor. Um, he's actually David Chorney. He's a phys ed, um, like a phys ed educator out of U, U, U of A, um, highly respected work. However, his singular perspective is phys ed. So when you only look at this curriculum through one lens, you're going to say, oh yeah, like, and honestly, I looked at the phys ed portion of the curriculum. It seems to have a logical scope and sequence for teaching phys ed skills. However, not everything in health and wellness has to do with physical activity. What about the children who are in wheelchairs? 
what about the children who need an alternative approach? What about the children who have serious health issues? Um, what about the children who are going to grow up with mental health issues in at a time when we like are supposed to be yes. realizing that mental health is an actual health problem? The world, like even exactly. Kenny talks about mental health. Now he talks about it because like you know we can't we can't close bars because of mental health or whatever, right? But like you know. Uh, point Which is being cool is issue that developing the minds healthy minds well minds of children yeah. has got to be at least equal to the importance of their physical development well and and yeah the other the other person so martin morazic also also out of the u of a so he's a psychologist he's a neuropsychologist um a neuroscientist and someone I'm sure will correct me if I'm wrong with that, that's fine, but he's just neuroscience. So if, if we've got two people from very specific perspectives, so a neuroscientist and then a phys ed person designing who people who work with, you know, high school and adults designing something for kids in kindergarten and elementary, they don't have the elementary background and full scope of what the issues are and how to address them. And so not that there was malintent there, but there's not enough. It would basically be like asking me um, and my, my math skills, I, there's a reason why I was asked to teach grade one, because that's basically where my math skills and are at. So it would be like asking me to come in and design the elementary math curriculum. That's not my area. The answer should have been no. And that's the problem with these, these appointed experts and whoever, you know, threw the dart at the Jeopardy board to put these, the, this, this, these curriculum objectives down is they are not, they do not have enough expertise to really do a comprehensive scope, scope and sequence. So that itself is an ethical issue. In my work as a psychologist, our first mandate is first do no harm. The second thing in order to do no harm is we can only work in our area of expertise, of training, supervision, um, and experience. So even in my private practice, if someone comes to me and says, oh, um, I, I, have, I have an alcohol addiction and I'm really struggling, I wanna do couples therapy. I am not trained in any of those areas. And so my answer is, I need to refer you on. If like it just it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. And so to me, shame on the people who sat down and believed they had a sole silo individual perspective that could design an entire curriculum that that is going to be delivered to children of multiple socioeconomic statuses, of parents many with English as a second language who just want to trust our schools to educate our children, um, parents with kids with special needs, like there are so children of different cultures, children of different religious backgrounds. Like it is just appalling that this group of 12, well, and then of course they hired seven more people, this group of 19 individuals believe they have the capacity and the expertise to design an entire curriculum that is going to last the next 30 to 40 years. So when you, 
when we talk, so started the beginning of the show, we, we talked about how Carla had recruited you to the steering committee. Mm-hmm. You, you're both part of a group that had been part of the 2017 curriculum. You're both mm-hmm. part of a group that has been completely shut out by the UCP as far as like listening or having any expert, like asking you any questions about this, reviews of this, anything. Anyone that was involved in the 2017 yeah. curriculum is out. So what is- Oh, do you know what I was told in that? Here's, yeah. here's the funny thing. My, my MLA, so I had another meeting with him, you know, with all my concerns about the curriculum. And I said, I gave him a list of actionable items. And one of them was, why was the memorandum with the ATA canceled? And why were the same community expertise and, and teacher and educational experts not invited back? And he said, oh, oh, um, uh, well, uh, um, a number of them retired. And I'm like, I'm still here. Yeah, I've talked to a few and they're all still working. Still all working. Yeah. Not a problem. So so my question for you then is, what exactly is this steering committee? Who who, uh, created, like who put this committee together and who are you even, like who are you reporting to? Because it's not the UCP. So are you just doing this? Is the steering committee just a bunch of experts who decided to like, feel better about like be able to get together or is there someone listening to you guys oh there's no I mean we're listening to each other that's right okay so it's a support group (laughs) it's a support group right okay and and it is a place for other um frustrated academics who need their voice heard like do you know who we're do you know who we're accountable to we are accountable to the public Mm -hmm. we are accountable to sharing best practice information and expertise widely so that people can start to understand and make their own decisions. So here's what happened. Here's how this quickly came together was the Dean, the, so Adriana Lagrange is saying, oh, we consulted with the deans of education and the deans of education were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Consultation does not mean we approve of this curriculum. It does not mean approval. So the deans of education had had this meeting, Carla Peck, um, Dr. Sarah Eaton is is another person. She she has written widely about plagiarism and is working on pieces about ethics in the curriculum and the curriculum development process. So the deans of education have paid for this website. And then Carla and Sarah and I take a look at any, um, any documents that are coming in, they must be written by academics or First Nation, Métis, Inuit, knowledge keepers and elders. Um, they must be written by organizations that have a vested interest in, in a quality curriculum for students. They actually have a vested interest in students in our education system and, and parents. So it's basically the website is a hub for academic analysis of the curriculum, both written and in the media. So it is a hub for that. So our accountability is to best practices in education. And hopefully it's being read and heard. Yeah, well, this is the thing is I wanted to just clarify because I like when you say, when we talk about a steering committee, it, it sounds like you're steering it somewhere. And the people that like need to listen are the ones are certainly not the ones that are going to allow you to steer them. Right. So I just want to no. make sure that we're like uh, clarifying that. And the other thing that we, because we haven't even talked about like the real main reason why we picked today to have you on the show. Right. Because um, 
you were talking about uh, the steering committee as a place where sort of uh, frustrated academics and experts can go to uh, share and talk and, and, and these yeah. kinds of things. Well, you actually are part of a, a, a group that has organized something for today is what, like the, this is, it's coming out on a Thursday. So September 11th is only a couple of days away, Saturday, yeah, a week away, a week mm -hmm. away, right? A week away from where we are now. Yeah. Well, as yeah. this comes out, it's a couple of days away, but you have planned a rally for the legislature. You, not you specifically, you and some others, there's more organizers and I'm going to yeah. let you talk about it in a second here, but there's a rally on Saturday, the 11th of September from noon till 2 PM, right? Yeah. A very COVID minded rally right yep. and uh also we'll talk about whether that's the possibility of postponement and whatnot in a minute but can you jump in and talk about this rally and and uh who's organized it what's it going to be about and uh hopefully we can those of yep. our listeners that want to be there can be there Absolutely. So the story behind it is, is this. So there's the Albertans Reject the Curriculum Facebook group, which popped up within a couple of days of the cur curriculum coming out. So it's over 40,000 people that are expressing their rage about this curriculum. Everyone's sending letters to their MLA, the leader of the opposition, the minister of education, the premier. Notice the order that I put that in. Um, just with their frustration and nobody's nobody's being heard. Adriana Lagrange is saying, oh, they want rich feedback on the curriculum. Well, here's the rich feedback on your curriculum. Um, here's my personal rich feedback on the curriculum. This curriculum is a turd and all your rich feedback is doing is putting glitter on the turd. Like that is it. It is just putting sprinkles on a pile of garbage. So there's your rich <laughs> glitter feedback. on a turd. I like it. I actually, someone actually designed a coffee cup for me. I didn't have it with me, but it's like the UCP curriculum as a turd and then the UCP curriculum with rich feedback and this glitter on a turd. It's glorious. I'm Beautiful. So, love it. Love it. I got the t-shirt too. Like why yeah. not? <laughs> why not? So anyway, they're asking for this feedback. So people are enraged because it is crystal clear that Jason Kenny and Adriana LaGrange are pushing this curriculum through no matter what. It is crystal clear to me that Jason Kenney does not give a flying fuck about our children or education in the future of our province of Alberta. So we're done. So I what happened? What? Go ahead. I, I asked Dr. Peck this, I believe, when we had her on, but I'm wondering what, what your response to it would be. It seems to me that um kenny is almost deliberately um using this curriculum to weaken public education in alberta and to sort of blur the lines between private and public as a means of you know promoting this ideology of school choice which is of course this freaky libertarian concept where everyone's just in their like education silos and um, you know, religious education is seen as um, equal yep. um, to, you know, secular um, education that's rooted in um, pedagogical best practices. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say what is going through the mind of that <laughs> person. Um, 
that man. But from my perspective, yeah, it looks like he is trying to weaken public education and make it so bad that then people choose charter or public schools. That's the other thing he did was lift the cap on the number of charter schools. Like there is, there are so many ethical and backhanded things that he has done for like through throughout this curriculum process that are just completely, completely astounding. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's clear to me he's trying to weaken public education so that people go private. I mean, isn't it clear that he's trying to privatize everything? Like, 100% clear. Like that's, it's, this it's is 100% their, clear. This is what the thing is, is like when we've talked about this before the show, you and I, but like this idea of this is everything's about undermining the public, mm-hmm. especially the healthcare and, and the education, right? Mm-hmm. The, and and I, I have another question I want to ask you, but I, we have to get back to the reality because I don't want to uh, gloss over this rally on Saturday in case yep. people are listening that want to go because yep, exactly. Um, this is a, you're hoping to have quite like a, a nice, powerful voice that day, right? So yep. tell me a little bit more about the rally and then I've got a couple okay. other questions for you. Okay, so so I, I told you about the Facebook, the Facebook page, Albertans Reject the Curriculum Facebook group. Um, frustrations there. I was reached out to by, um, by this group of people. Um, part of them, which I love, are the Raging Grannies. Have you heard of the Raging Grannies? Correct. Yes. I think Shannon's yes. mom is one of the okay. Oh, really? Uh, That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a raging granny in training. I love it. Like they've just adopted me. I'm a raging grand. I'm a raging granddaughter. That's what I am. It's awesome. I love it. So they reached out and said, we're thinking of holding a rally. Would you speak at it? I'm like, absolutely. And then when I listened to them, I thought, oh, they're coming at it from the content issue not necessarily the entire process and ethical issues and like the hidden curriculum side. So I just said, you know what, why don't you let me speak to a couple of people, see if I can, you know, see if other people are, can, can speak to. And then all of a sudden I'm the speaker coordinator for it. So I, so Carla Peck is going to talk at it. Dr. Darren Lund, he is a social justice speaker, um, prof out of the, out of the university of Calgary. Um, Christopher Wells has sent a statement on behalf of LGBTQ. He's a professor at the University of Alberta. Um, Sarah, Sarah Eaton. We've got. We've decided to make it multipartisan. So I've invited all of the party leaders and Minister of Education to join us. Um, I'm not going to say who who has agreed to speak because when you attend the rally, you'll see who actually cares about education in Alberta. So it is a whole line of professional speakers um, who are very passionate that we need to ditch this draft. We need to re-engage with educators and give give the educate give give our curriculum back to um, actual educators and educational researchers who care about our students. And we need to raise some noise. So the brainchild behind it is is a parent, Sandra Lucen. I hope I said her name properly. But she she spoke about um, growing up in in East Germany. And she was there when the people rallied and demanded that the wall be taken down. And I know it sounds incredibly dramatic, but this curriculum is our Berlin Wall in Alberta. This is going to impact people for so many generations that we need 
to stand together and take this down. I mean, I was trying to stay journalistic, but I totally agree with that, uh, that we have to, this is something that we have to get, get rid of because it's just so overwhelming, the support, the, 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 the opposition to it. And so what I want to ask you here is, because we talked about this before, mm-hmm. maybe it's just COVID that has caused the government to walk back a few of its uh, attacks on the health system. Um, not, ev- you know, they've not always, they've never walked everything back a hundred percent. Right. But every once in a while, public pressure causes them to be like, well, we'll do this, but they even walked back the coal policy thing, right? Like after public yeah. pressure, no issue that I can really even think of in Alberta has create, has caused more public outcry and, 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 and negative feedback than this particular curriculum. Mm-hmm. Nine, at least nine of 10, probably more divisions are not going to, are refusing to pilot. Yeah. Like 95% of school right? divisions refuse to pilot it. The, the, you, like no you said, one, 40... and let's just say no one, no one is piloting the social, social studies draft to my knowledge. No there one. we go. Right. So no one. I can't think of one. Like it's eye-opening to me when when organizations when divisions like the medicine hat catholic school division are like no we're not going to do this either like that's yeah. eye-opening mm-hmm. to me right if they, mm-hmm. they so this is well all, red deer catholic right uh, which is of course adrian lagrange's uh where stomping ground right that. yeah that's where yeah. she got all this sort of her own indoctrination apparently right like so she even they're not going to do it so mm-hmm. the point being like you said forty thousand people in 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 the facebook group mm-hmm. and, and clearly i've never spoken to a parent that was is cool about this point well, I mean, and we have and don't forget the night the 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 teachers the uh, the teachers association 99 percent right. non-confidence vote right in adriana lagrange right so no one and literally univ- yeah they don't care basically is the point is, is basically it's as universal of opposition as you can think of for something. Yes. And yet they will not walk back. They have refused to date to walk back a single second of it. And yep. my question to you is, what do you think it is about this education curriculum, about Kenny or LaGrange's or any of these people's motive that this is the one thing that even that that not even public outcry can seem to affect well it just goes back to jason kenny's um campaign promises he he wants to stand by promises made promises kept and you know be damned if he's going to listen to anybody he actually had a statement that his perspective of social reform is to do it quickly before opposition can rally and to minimize public consultation. That is actually how he believes in social reform. So he is trying to ram this through before anybody can say anything, but it's too late. You know, the second thing that they're doing is now Adriana LaGrange is calling for this group of 40 teachers and a group of 40 parents to work with them to review the curriculum. It's too fucking late. Like, there's going to be another group of hand appointed, hand appointed parents and yes, people that agree with right. it. Like it's too late. It is garbage. It is lip service. Oh, by the way, I applied to be on both committees. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we all see the humor in that. 
Okay, I should apply. I'm a parent. Yeah, you should you should apply. It's too late. The application due date was you know <laughs> August 31st. And the thing they don't realize, like we want a quality curriculum for Alberta. Like we want this. We want to work with them. They are the ones stonewalling us. And so I I think it's just you know nothing. <laughs> and again, this is my opinion. Um, nothing else Jason Kenny is doing is working. So he's gonna like hold on to the last shred of anything he believes in to try to force it through. But let's just look at this, okay? So the initial draft 2018 was K to four. They in a year wrote a K to six curriculum without enough consultation. Now they've rehired the same, like they've rehired eight of the same people who wrote this shit show of a draft to write the junior and senior high curriculums behind closed doors without further public consultation. So it is, it is even like, it is going to get exponentially worse. So we need to stop. They need to stop this process. They need to stop the piloting. They need to put this on pause, re-engage with teachers and educators to write a draft that's actually gonna make sense. And if they can't even do that, they just need to say, you know what? We're just gonna wait till after the next election because this is not the time. Even piloting the entire draft, like this is what they're doing. They're saying, okay, we're gonna pilot the draft. So let's say 5% of schools pilot portions of it that they feel like, and then they're asking for rich feedback until March next year. What are they gonna do? Take these thousands of people's feedback, um, actually, no, only a few hundred teachers' feedback who are actually going to pilot anything, if at all, um, transform it and then all of a sudden make it policy that this is our curriculum for September 22. Like I, I shudder at what the first day of school in 2022 is going to look like for our students. If this is our curriculum, we are going to have stressed out teachers who have spent their summers trying to plan a curriculum that they don't even support. It is gonna cause moral dilemmas for teachers. It is a sign of burnout when your aims are thwarted. Teachers are going to be leaving. New teachers are not going to wanna to be teaching this. And it is, and then we're going to have stressed out parents saying, I don't want my kids learning this. Like imagine going to kindergarten your first day and being like, Okay, um, we're going to learn about the Confederation of Canada, how to weigh yourself and judge other people's bodies, and uh, what celebrity, you know, what celebrity is born on your birthday. Like, who the fuck cares? These kids can't tie their shoes or hold a pencil yet. By, by the way, mine is Sylvester Stallone and George W. Bush, just saying. Yeah, mine's okay. uh, Katy Perry and uh, Ed Robertson from Bare Naked Ladies. And, oh, and the guy named Picasso, who you may not have heard of because he's kind of obscure. But... <laughs> Do you know what the truth is? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. I just, just know saying, that... I think I could pass this grade, whatever grade this is. I'm, I'm, doing, yeah. I'm already ready. Let's go. I just, I just know that, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I just know that I got a birthday gift from um yeah Your on my, is on August my birth 18th, I just right? 
I just got a birthday gift from the progress report saying Jason Kenney has politically interfered with the curriculum. And from my perspective, that is a major ethical violation um, from a person in power. And it's, yeah. Oh, I got, hope you got Robert Redford. I do. Sweet. Dennis Leary. I don't even Christian know. Christian Slater. Edward Norton. Man, um, your any, birthday's awesome. Any badass females on that day, or is it? Oh, yeah, right. Me? It's just the list of dudes there. Uh, yeah. Actress Caitlin Olson. Okay. Oh, D from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, sweet. <laughs> you have a rad birthday. We're you August know, 18th, right? Yes. And you know what? Andy what? Sandberg. Oh, man. I'm oh, sorry. see, I'm good with that. That's awesome. The other <laughs> sorry, thing, I got off topic there. Okay. But. The other thing I never, I never mentioned. So I taught grade one. You have to supervise, you know, the school play. You have to supervise recess when you're an elementary teacher. Right. Kids in elementary school will act out and play in the playground what they're learning in school. So let's let's envision the school playground in 2022. I can't remember what grade this is. I think it's grade five. One of the objectives in grade five is uh, black slavery. So one of the things is. that's actually in like you can't make this shit up it's in there that your slave has escaped and you have to design a poster to have your slave caught so let's imagine the school playground okay you're going to be the slave what wait wait what did you say that in this curriculum there's an exercise where you're a fucking slave owner yes yes So let's imagine the playground. You're my slave and I'm your owner and you run away and I have to design a poster and have people find you and then you're gonna be lynched. And let's think about grade six Halloween costumes. Let's all dress like the KKK. What the fuck? My brain hurts right now. I know, I know. And like, we, we, I've already, I've already done, you know, the review of the wellness curriculum and, and other dietitians and eating disorder experts have gotten on board in that this, you know, the wellness portion is setting our kids up for serious epic failure. Like it's setting them up for eating disorders. It's setting them up for poor body image. This curriculum is setting kids up for depression and, and imagine the test anxiety. If you're in grade three and you have all of these massive facts to memorize and then write a test about well, and that's not I, good memory retention anyways. Like we've all learned, we, we've all learned that over the decades that that's not the best way to retain knowledge, no, cramming for not. a couple of days, puking up a test. And then, and then you forget everything after. And you're like, oh, I remember hearing that term in high school once like, oh, Pythagoras theorem. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. I have no idea. It has right? to do with triangles. Right? Yes. It does. Well, so one of the speakers at the rally Writers. is one of the speakers at the rally that stepped forward is a history student at the, at the U of A. And he told me, he said he spent a year studying a small portion of Greek history, Greek and Roman history, that it's a small portion of what's, it's maybe 10% of the Greek and Roman history that is in the grade two curriculum. So he's a university student studying the same thing that's in the grade two curriculum. So here's the other bizarre thing that has happened. Um, if you look at, so British, British schools, they don't go by grades, they go by years. So year one, two, three, four, five, six. 
some of the this curriculum says, oh, grade one is actually some of the year six curriculum. So I think some of the curriculum designers fucked up and are like, oh, year six must mean six-year-olds. So we're going to put it in grade one. Like I was in grade six learning about the Aztecs and now it's in the grade one curriculum. Why? Oh, that's another thing. Let's have ritual sacrifices from the Aztec curriculum in grade one. Let's just imagine kids at the top of the slides and the top of the playgrounds having ritualistic sacrifices because that's what they're learning in grade one social studies. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a good time. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I can think of some people I'd like to ritually sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, like, who are we? <laughs> oh, yeah, my oh. elementary school. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? I got a couple of bullies I could... Uh, go back and remember and do that with so um in the interest of time because we're over yeah. our hour here uh um i want to just about the route because we we have to make sure we tell people um about the rally as far as uh the safety measures and and yep. and because you guys are absolutely the fact that we you know covid is obviously in a spike right now and uh, so yes. can you just sort of so what, we, that, what you guys are doing in that yeah. regard. So what we're doing is we're clearly asking, stay home if you're sick, stay home if you're not feeling well, stay home if you are insecure about being in a crowd. That's fine. We're stay asking, home if you're not vaccinated, please. Yes, please stay home if you're not vaccinated. Um, so we are requesting that everyone wear masks and bring, bring hand sanitizer. I'm trying to find if anybody knows an organization that can donate some masks for us, that would be fantastic. Because, of course, we're a nonprofit. We have no funding for this. Right, right. Um, so wear a mask, use hand sanitizer, social distance, stay home if you're not well. Um, we do have security on hand. We want this to be a peaceful rally. So, you know, this, this is all in the name of truth, reconciliation, of creating a quality curriculum. Um, my, I have consulted with several people about it. We, and we are going to go ahead with it. However, if there, and this is my personal thing, if by Thursday or about, like if by Friday morning, um, numbers are really, really high and there's too much anxiety, we are going to stop it, postpone it for another day. Um, and I do know, yes, it is the anniversary of 9-11. Um, of and we did consider not having it on that day. Um, and with all, with all due respect for that tragedy, we have to acknowledge there are tragedies that happen all over the world every single day that are not acknowledged. And for sure. we, do, we, do, we do acknowledge the impact that this has had and we acknowledge the impact that other tragedies have. We, we simply chose to have it at the beginning of the school year, early in the fall to make a point that this is what school in 2022 is going to look like if we do not stop this curriculum now. We do have to wrap up. I know Mo's got, uh, doesn't want to have to uh, edit a two hour episode. So we're going to get off the horn here. But before I do my goodbyes, I want to make sure that I've given you a chance to sort of get everything off your chest. So do you have anything that we haven't spoken about that you want to make sure you, uh, you tell our listeners today? Well, the other thing that we need to know is this is, although this is our, a big, a big push with this rally, 
to stand united and strong. I know a whole bunch of people aren't going to be able to make it and that's fine, but please know that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And we have to keep the pressure on for the next year, or this is going to go through. What can they do then if they can't come to the rally, Angela, what can they do to let their MLA know or the premier know or whoever that they are not accepting this? Well, so um, the, there's a website called SOS. They have templates that you can just copy and paste and send a letter to. Um, I'm actually going to do a template as well that is going to be posted after the rally that people can copy, paste, email their MLA, Premier, Minister of Education, Leader of the Opposition. So Rachel Notley and the, edu the NDP education critic, Sarah Hoffman. Um, I email everybody. Um, I also include Janet French and Ryan Jesperson in on it um, for some public accountability. Just email them and say, no, even if, even if it is a very simple email that says, um, stop this draft, re-engage experts, um, and Adriana LaGrange, go ahead and resign because you clearly are not competent to um, lead, lead education in Alberta. So, and Jason Kenney can add his name to the list too, but that's my personal opinion. So that's what we can do is keep the pressure on until this is stopped. It doesn't come out until the fall of 2022. It mm -hmm. seems it's like, like Angela's saying, we got, if you keep the pedal to the metal for that year, yep. I mean, we talk about how they don't want to listen to the public, but we, we do have examples of the public getting a little, like even recently, right? Like the amount of outcry over this August 16th, we're going to stop testing for COVID stuff. Like, the, the public outcry at least extended that six weeks kind of thing. So there are selling their parks and lifting the coal policy. Exactly. 100%. Uh, uh, doctor compensation, right? Nurse layoffs, right? So the, we have examples that we have been able to turn yep. this ridiculous government around on things. And, and we, we know have to. Yet, uh, and we have to. And this is one of those things where we just have to. Well, now, and immediately after this. I, I've, I'm sending an email to every single MLA across Alberta saying, get your, head under your, get your head out of the sand, do your damn job and represent your constituents. Because I know for a fact, I am not the only one standing up. And by the way, there is actually one person who agrees with the curriculum who has, um, you know, who's written me repeatedly that I'm a communist. So there is one person in Alberta that agrees with the curriculum. Good, good. Is it a parent that just thinks you're a communist? Or yeah. is it like another academic? Oh, gosh, no. No, no, no. This is a random person that that just says I'm a communist. Ah, so, yes. Well, you, you know, they, they might very well be from Medicine Hat. I might know and, that person. And Jason Kenny, go ahead and call me a social justice warrior because yes, I am. And I'm here to kick your ass. <laughs> Love it. Great way to end the show. <laughs> Perfect timing. Dr. Pre uh, Grace, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Honestly, um, so glad you reached out. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to chat with you. Uh, for those of us that are parents, it's comforting to know that we do have experts such as yourself, such as Dr. Carla Peck, such as Sarah Eaton, who are not standing for this and are not uh, taking their foot off the gas. So um, good luck with your rally on Saturday the 11th. Thank you. And it will be it will be postponed if we need to. But if we are wise and keep safe. Um, oh, the other fun thing, we're going to try to live stream it on Facebook. We don't quite know how we're going to do it, but we're going to try to make it live. Okay. Um, 
and recorded. So are you on Twitter? I am not on Twitter, but Carla okay. Peck is on Twitter. And yes. I think it's called the Alberta Education War Room. They have good information right. as okay. well. So if there's any if there's any Twitter accounts out there that are going to keep people updated over the next week or so about this rally, yeah. uh, Jeremy and I will make sure in the Forgotten Corner podcast, we'll make sure to uh, retweet and uh, let let people know what's going on. Awesome. Uh, but it was our pleasure to chat with you today. Do come back. Uh, hope maybe maybe the next time we have you on the show, we can talk about how you guys won. So oh, when you I win this battle, that. come yes. back and and we can swear for good reasons instead of bad reasons, right? right? Yeah. Um, I would love but anyway, that's um, the time in the show where we get to thank those of our patrons who go well above and beyond anything we could ever hope for, and we're excited to be able to bring back a name to that list again because uh, we had a little hiatus and it was hard to even get through this list without getting to say his name. So I'm going to say to the big red machine, to Ray. Thank you so much for coming back aboard. We appreciate you. We're hoping you love your new house. To Dave Baumiller, to Nicola Dinacola, to Chris Sterwald. You guys are amazing. To the rest of our patrons, to our listeners, to everyone who's ever uh, smashed a five stars, given us a good review. It helps us a lot. Uh, share this stuff. Do not get off of these topics. Um, we That's the only way we win as a, as a society, as people, is to just keep the pressure on. So keep doing what you're doing, support Dr. Grace, support what they're doing. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Appreciate it. Good to be back. Yeah, always a pleasure. Jeremy is not allowed to talk. Like, seriously, Sorry, that's let a me say that again. Yeah. Yeah, always a pleasure. And uh, great to meet you, uh, Doc. <laughs>